We're in a series on what does the Bible say about dot, dot, dot. What we're trying to learn, if you're new here, if you've not been here in a while, we're trying to learn what does the Bible have to say about cultural issues that can be um, a little bit, uh, I won't say divisive, but just there are cultural issues out there. And how is the church supposed to stand in certain subjects? And so we've talked about uh, life. We've talked about abortion. We've talked about the word, how we know the word is the word. We've talked about so many things. And today we're talking about sex. Everybody say sex. That's right. I told you, Pastor Richard, we don't embarrass you and your congregation, but it's coming. Amen? We're going there. Listen, God created it, and it's okay to talk about it in the church. Well, that was weak. Listen, men, don't even play like, don't even try it. Men, we're talking about sex today. You are always after me when you go preach something in my direction. Well, here it comes. Amen? What does the Bible have to say about sex? I'll, I'll, this, just so I can help you, it's not a cuss word in church. Everybody just say sex. sex. We're going to talk about that today from a biblical. We're not going to get weird or pornographic. We're just going to talk about it from God's point of view. And that is sex is sacred. Everybody say sex, sex is sacred. Okay. If you will stand... To your feet for the reading of God's word, please. And let's honor the Lord. And don't worry, Pastor Richard and church. We're going to have some songs at the end of the message when we're praying for people. So we'll get a chance to, to worship. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. Uh, now, Sonny, that's in the Old Testament. That's the first book. So that's where you'll find it. Amen. <laughs> just a joke. Well, y'all are uptight today. What is going on? Y'all loosen up. Just take it and just loosen up a little bit. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 and 25. If you're there, shout out a good amen. amen. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That speaks to the, the act of sex in a marriage. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Under the biblical confines of what marriage is... It is, a, it is a place where you can be naked and unashamed in true acceptance of one another. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. And that will be on the screen behind me. Is the screen working? Oh, okay, the screen is working. Or do you not know the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is the Bible the final say on things? All right, stick with me. And that is what some of you were. How many of you are glad you're saved? The first song we sang, thank you Lord for saving me. I think we're going to sing it again at the end. How many of you are glad that one time you were something, but now God's made you new. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Woo! He goes on to say, but you are washed. How many of you are glad you're washed? You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I have the right to do anything, Paul said, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. For whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God, honor God, honor God with your bodies. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you for all that you've done. I ask God you to speak to us now. And God, I know in a message like this, it's a teaching style message, but I pray, let the word fall in the good soil of our hearts and go and bear forth fruit in our lives. Teach us what your word said. God, society has gone crazy with sex way outside of what you ever intended. But I pray you teach us today. I pray you set us at the table, God, and we learn from your word. I pray in Jesus' name, let me not communicate one word of my own, but every word from the throne of God into our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hold your Bibles up in the air, whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, By your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. And say, Pastor's crazy. He's talking about sex. Oh, I didn't hear anybody say that. (laughs) Pastor's crazy. He's talking about sex. Listen, the world will tell you what it thinks. Hollywood and Hell's box office will tell you what it thinks. Why don't we hear what God has to say about it? Amen? One wise senior adult said, when we date, we start giving gifts like flowers or candy. But when couples get engaged, they begin, they begin to give more precious gifts, like an engagement ring and diamonds and stuff. And this wise senior adult said, but the most personal gift I can ever give is myself. I have nothing more precious to give. She said, when I married, I wanted to give my husband the best I had, my whole self as completely as I could. Sex is sacred. The word sacred means holy. Everybody say holy. Holy. That means sex is holy. Listen, God is not wigged out by you having sex with your spouse. He created it. It is very quiet in here today. (laughs) Holy, pertaining to God or to his worship, separated from common secular uses and consecrated to God and his service, consecrated, dedicated, and devoted. There are four myths I want to hit right off the bat about sex. Number one myth is people out there that say, well, sex is not of God. Are you kidding me? God is the one who created it. As a matter of fact, he told Adam and Eve, I want you to have sex and I want you to have a lot of it. And I want you to fill the earth. I want you to produce offspring. But you know, God didn't have to command them too hard because he made sex to be wonderful. I'm sure he didn't have to hold them and beat them down over it. So in an effort 
to keep young children in the church from having sex outside of marriage, one of the things adults do, they make a big mistake. They tell them, oh, don't have sex. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. Well, what happens when that kid grows up and that kid comes and they get married, all they've heard their whole life, dirty, 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 dirty. Well, now they don't even want to have sex with their spouse. It is a wrong way to approach things. Listen, sex is not dirty. Under the confines of a biblical marriage of one man and one woman, it is a beautiful thing in the sight of God. Somebody say amen. Somebody say it's beautiful. The second myth is, I can tell now I'm not going to get a lot of feedback today. I can feel this already. The second thing, myth, is that sex is purely physical. Listen, sex is not just an instinct for humans, but it is deeply spiritual. It is deeply emotional. Genesis 2.24 said, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh, that means uh, you are one with your husband or wife, uh, your spouse. As a matter of fact, the only time that you can be totally one with someone is in a sexual experience with your biblical spouse. It's the only time you can be one in spirit, soul, and body. And God designed that for us in the confines of marriage. Another myth is sex is no big deal. One mother was talking one time and she said, what do I tell my 16-year-old daughter about hookups? You don't know what a hookup is. A hookup is a casual sexual experience going on in high schools, probably middle schools, and colleges right now. And it's a, it's you, you, just, you just show up. They even have a list now. You get your name on the list. And then some administrator, brilliant idea they created, they, they, you just call you, and then you show up at a certain time, a certain date, a certain place, and you meet who you're going to go have sex with. It's called a hookup. She said her 16-year-old daughter went to a party, and she said she was texted three times during that party by three boys if she wanted to go in the back room and hook up. Listen, this stuff is real. There's a physical side of this. There are STDs. There is HIV. There is pregnancies. And look on the screen. Since the popular push for contraceptives for teens began, teenage sexual activity and pregnancy have increased 400%. I am in favor. Quit telling every kid in school, stop handing out condoms and start handing out the word of God. And then we'll see some change in our school. Somebody say amen. 70% of unwed teen mothers will go on welfare. Of teens who marry because of pregnancy, 60% will be divorced in five years. On the spiritual side, they get soul-tied. That's how sometimes girlfriends and boyfriends can't break up. They've joined together in a sexual experience, and now they really hate each other. They really don't want to be together, but they keep coming back, and they don't know why. It's because they've been soul-tied, and soul ties need to be broken. And what's worse than that, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 and 16 tells us that if you have sex with a prostitute, then you take on that prostitute's spirit. Boy, that's not something that you want. Somebody say amen. There is one more myth I want to hit before I get into why sex is sacred and then what God has to say about different types. And that is this. Everyone, here's the myth, everyone else is doing it. No, it isn't. You know, one statistic I just ran across said that 50% of high school students will graduate high school as a virgin. That's actually higher than I thought it would be. 
But when everybody says everybody else is doing it, uh-uh, 50% are not. 50% are saying, I'm not going there. 50% are saying, I'm going to wait and give myself to my spouse. Can we give God a hand clap on that? I mean, I want it to be 100%, but still. One young man was pressing his girl for sex. He said, everybody else is doing it. I love her response. She said, everybody else is doing it. She said, well, then go out there and find somebody else. If you, everybody else is doing it, I'm sure you'll have no problem getting it somewhere else. But I'm not doing it. Somebody say amen. A study at a Midwestern school showed that 80% of the women who had intercourse hoped to marry their partner, only 12% of the men had the same expectation. 80% of the women had an expectation, I'm going to marry this guy. 12% said, I'm just in it for a good ride. Folks, that's huge. So point number one is this. Why is sex sacred? Everybody say it with me. Why is sex sacred? Because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 and 25, in the beginning God lays out his perfect plan and for the institution of marriage and enjoying sex. How many want to learn what the Bible has to say? Are you okay with this kind of teaching? Some of you are like, golf clap. I want you to notice a few things that God spelled out in Genesis for a successful, successful marriage. One, it's one man and one woman. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Do we still believe in that? I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the news tries to tell us. I don't care what movies and sitcoms try to shove down our throat. My Bible tells me that marriage is one man and one woman. Pastor, you're old-fashioned. Yes, I'm going to be old-fashioned to the day I die because it says it in the Word of God. Somebody say amen. Second thing that you find in a successful marriage is separation. Separation first from the parents and then separation from everyone else to them. That doesn't mean you, you never hang around people and have friendship and fellowships. It just means when you get married, listen, this is one of the biggest things I deal with as a pastor. Young couples get married, and they're at wit's end, ready to kill each other, and it's one of the sets of parents is still trying to be the parent. Listen, when your little Johnny and Sally Sue are of age, and they get married, and you give them away at the altar, they are no longer under your authority. They are supposed to separate from you. Is this good sound teaching today? Thirdly, there's a uniting of the married couple. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word here actually means unite or join. They're joining together to cling to join or glue together. In fact, Job uses this word when he says, My bones cling to skin and th because there's a real physical connection that's hard to break. You let go of your parents. You let go of everybody else. You cling in that most intimate manner to your spouse supposed to be for the rest of your life. And this taking hold brings a permanence to the marriage. So God's idea of marriage is a long embrace. Why? Listen. Because this forms stable, loving families, which benefits everyone. Spouses, children, everybody. Listen. A healthy biblical marriage is the foundation of every society and community. Somebody say amen. And then finally, you have the one man, one woman, the separation, you have the uniting, and then you have the sex, intercourse, where the two people become one in body, soul, and spirit. 
God's design is not just for us to embrace someone, uh, the other person as some nice happy couple. But that we become one flesh and this happens through the act of sex. The image of becoming one flesh speaks directly to sex. Mark 10, 6-9, watch this. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. That's spirit, soul, and body. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. This is why two people cannot walk away from a sexual relationship without being damaged. God has joined them together and his separation leads to nothing but pain. Listen, that's the real issue with sin. God is not the fun vacuum in heaven going, I'm going to suck the fun right out of life. God realizes that when we practice a sinful lifestyle, is it okay to still preach this way? When we practice a sinful lifestyle, he understands that it does nothing but bring pain and separation and mistrust. And that is not God's plan. So the result, watch this, of the four ingredients of a healthy marriage. One man, one woman. Separating from everyone else. Uniting. Sexual experience. All that in verse 25 says they were both naked and unashamed. I love this. There was a true acceptance of each other. And an intimate connection between the two. No shame. No fear. Total acceptance. That's the way God designed it to be. Aren't you glad? Most marriages fail due to one of four reasons. They try to make it work with multiple partners. It never worked. The couples haven't separated from their parents or others. They haven't embraced each other with a grip that won't let go. Or they're missing the intimacy of an active sex life. Why have I taken the time to talk about this? Why have I made you feel uncomfortable? Because I can see some of you squirming. Some of you are nervously laughing. <laughs> because sex is introduced and created by God. And listen, it is wonderful. It is beautiful. It is intimate. And it is a, absolutely a spiritual experience in the confines of a biblical marriage. Sex is sacred because God created it and gave it to us. Now, sex is a beautiful thing under a confines of how he defined it. But point number two is this. The Bible speaks of four types of sex outside of the marriage covenant of one man and one woman, which it condemns again and again and again. How many want to hear this? Here's where I told you this whole series is going to go a gray, against the grain of society. God's word many times does that. I'm not here to beat anybody up. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. I'm not here to do anything but just teach what God's word says. Again, do we want to hear what God's word says? What type, point number two is this, what type of sex does God condemn? Because he does condemn four types of sex. So the first sex that God condemns, you'll see it on the screen, sex with an unmarried person of the opposite sex, and that is called fornication. Fornication is not just boyfriend and girlfriend, it could be prostitution, it could be incest. In fact, fornication is defined as voluntary sexual intercourse between an unmarried man and an unmarried woman. Thayer defines it as illicit sexual intercourse. Strong's defines it as harlotry. 
In most versions of the Bible, it's translated as sexual immorality. Here's what the Bible has to say. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Folks, this is serious. And I love you enough and I care enough about you and whoever's watching to teach you what God says. Do we still want to know what God says? Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication. Everybody say fornication. Uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand. Watch this. Just as I told you in time past. In other words, I've already told this to you and I'm going to tell you again. Watch what it says underline. This is serious, folks. That those who practice... Such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is serious stuff. Just casually, just hopping in the bed with somebody God is not cool with. I know we're in an age of grace and mercy. I understand that. But God, you know those commandments, they weren't suggestions. They're still commandments. Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 says, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for saints. In other words, you are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You're an ambassador for Christ. Don't let this stuff even be named among you. That's what he's saying. That's the old stuff. When God saved you, he saved you from that to something new. Somebody say amen. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Woo! He says, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, watch this, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Colossians 3, 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I find it interesting that the first thing that, that, that Paul says, get out of your life, is fornication. He says, don't do it. Revelation 9, 21, they wouldn't repent of it. Look at what 1 Corinthians 7, 2 says. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let everyone have, every woman have her own husband. Somebody say amen. amen. 1 Corinthians 7, 8 through 9 says, So I say to those who aren't married into widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. So Paul wasn't married. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry because it's better to marry than to burn with lust. Somebody say amen, it's okay. It's like adhesive tape. The strongest bond that adhesive tape is designed and capable of is to the first surface it's applied to. Now you can take adhesive tape off and put it on something else and for a while it'll still stay. But every time you rip it up off one thing and put it on another surface, what happens? It loses its adhesiveness. Until eventually, how many have ever had this problem? You take the tape up and put it down enough till now there's no more adhesiveness and it's useless. Do you know that's the way God designed it for us? He said your strongest bond 
will be when you only have sex with your spouse and it stays the strongest when you stay with him the rest of your life. How many knows God's a smart guy? Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. But watch this. But fornicators and adulterers, God will what? Judge. Revelation 21, 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral or fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters. Look at the list it's with. And all liars have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So what other kind of sex does God forbid and condemn? The second type is sex with a married person who's not your spouse. We call that adultery. Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. Proverbs 6, 32, the one who commits adultery lacks sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Did you hear that? Whoever commits it has no sense and they're destroying themselves. Matthew 5, 27 through 28, Jesus ups the ante. You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So brother, if you're undressing a woman who's not your wife out in public, God said you've committed adultery in your heart. And God says these things are not right. Is it okay to still preach the Bible? Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. So what's the penalty for adultery? Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. I've told people before. I've had couples, they were living together. They were sleeping in the same bed. I've talked to them about this kind of thing. And, you know, they, well, we, we can sleep in the same bed and we won't do anything. I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. And nature has a funny way of doing things. You put boy bunny and girl bunny in a box, you're going to have little bunnies. You put male and female in the same bed, and there's going to be something fireworks going on at some point. Somebody say amen. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I, I warned you this was coming. Amen. I'm going to keep going. Revelation 28 says, 21, 21 8 says, the lake of fire. All right. What other kind of sex does God condemn? Now, here's, here's where, man, it's going to seem like we're, we're really going against society. But I'm going there because it's the Bible. Same sex with the same sex homosexuality. Leviticus 18.22, NIV version. Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. God says it's abominable. Romans 1.26.28. Watch these New Testament scriptures. I don't do this to beat anybody up. I have, I have some family members that are gay and they live with their gay partner. I don't beat them up. I don't railroad them. I just tell them Jesus loves them. Amen. And I love on them like I would anybody else. Romans 1, 26, 28 says, that is, this, that is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done and turn them to a reprobate mind. Here's what 1 Timothy 1, 9-10 says. 
Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, which is homosexuality, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and, there is, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. It goes on in 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10. Watch this. He says, we also know that the law is made not for righteous. Actually, it's the same scripture, but it's a different version. But for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murders, for the sexually immoral, that's fornication, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. That's two witnesses in the New Testament. Here's the third, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Everybody say, don't be deceived. Do you know what the problem is with deception? You don't know you're deceived. How do we not get deceived? We don't get deceived when we plug into what the Bible says. God teaches us, amen? He says, do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, and he's going down the list, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, there are some out in society that would say, Pastor Dallas, you're preaching hate. No, I'm preaching love. I love everybody enough to tell them the truth. Listen, society will tell you as hate speech, you're, you're being mean. They love one another. No, I love them enough to know that eternity matters and God's word is real. And I'm not going to be a jerk. I'm not going to be hateful. I'm just going to say, don't you see what the scriptures say? This is real. Somebody say amen. Here's the fourth sex that God condemns. I, I don't, won't spend long, but sex with animals. <laughs> bestiality here we go leviticus 18 23 do not have sexual relations with an animal i think it kind of speaks for itself <laughs> and defile yourself with it a woman must not present herself to an animal to have sexual relations with it that is perversion in the bible it says male and female either one that does it should be killed and so forth listen that that is not there's only one type of sex there is a sex god wants you to have Amen. that god blesses that God has gifted us with, and that is when the confines of a biblical marriage of one man and one woman. This is not a message against something. It is a message for something. Now, there's some other forms of perversion. If you thought I was going to make you squirm before, hang on for about two minutes. You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? There's other forms of perversion. Pastor Richard, I told you, y'all came at just a weird Sunday. <laughs> I promise it's not like this all the time. <laughs> other forms of perversion that God is not okay with, including objects in the marriage bed, like whips and chains and weird stuff. Shades of gray stuff. Listen, inflicting pain during sex is sadistic and not from God. Any invention of wickedness that will allow you to have sex by yourself is perverted. The nutcases out there right now have now created sex robots. 
and they claim it's better sex than with a pe person. No, thank you. Not interested in a robot. I just want to be with my wife. Amen? Is that okay? I'll take human. Um, orgies. They are perverted, not from God. Hebrews 13, 4 says, keep the marriage bed undefiled. To have sex with your spouse and other people having sex within eyesight and everybody looking at everybody is defiling the marriage bed. Y'all still want me to keep going? We are not supposed to have others take part in our private, intimate moments with our spouse. Someone say amen. Again, in Genesis 2.24... The two shall become one flesh, not two, three, four, or five flesh. We still want to learn what the Bible says. I'm going to hit one more. Is it okay? Nobody said yes. I'm going there anyways. Everybody's so uncomfortable. I promise we're going to pray for people that need breakthrough. Amen. Not in this area, but it, just you need healing. Um. Again, this is going to fly in the face of society. Uh, transgender. Again, Genesis 2.24. God made them male and he made them female. Bruce Jenner changed himself from a man into a woman. He now calls himself Caitlin. He was on the cover of Vanity Fair for his change. He was covered by every major news network, including ESPN. ESPN gave him the Courage Award, which I find very offensive. If you're a veteran of the United States military or currently serving, I'd like for you to stand, please. I want you to stand. If you served in our military, everybody, anybody that has, remain standing, please. If you are or ever have been law enforcement, police officer, FBI, didn't matter, any kind of law enforcement, I'd like for you to stand. If you are in the medical field, nurse, doctor, nurse practitioner, anything to do with the medical field, or you have been or are, I'd like for you to stand. If you are or have ever been a teacher in public school, I'd like for you to stand as well. Okay, I want, I want you to look around, church. Are you ready? Bruce Jenner and others like him are not courageous. They're confused. People like them, military, law enforcement, fire protection, please stand. I know that you're a fireman. Teachers, medical field. Folks, they're the ones that are courageous. Amen. Yes. You can be seated, please. I'm almost done. I promise. The pain's almost over. Transgenders fly in the face of God. It ultimately says to God, I don't like what you created. You were wrong, and I can fix this and do it better myself. God is the one that chose your gender, and we're supposed to appreciate that and like that. Look, I'm not a male chauvinist when I tell you this, but I'm glad God made me a man. Amen. And Holly's not a feminist, but she'll tell you she's glad God made her a woman. Is it okay to be glad we're men and women? That's what God created. That's what he designed. It's placing yourself in the seat of God and saying, God, I'm going to handle things myself. So God is against anything that undermines stable, healthy families. Sex outside a biblical marriage of one man and one woman does just that. 
It uses our sexuality in ways God never intended. Some will argue sex outside of marriage. They'll say, well, it's normal for me to be homosexual or it's normal for me to commit adultery or it's normal for me to to be a fornicator and all these other things. Society accepts it. Why can't you, Pastor? Why can't the church? I'll tell you why. Because biblically, the only acceptance and the only right way and the only normal way is to have sex inside of a biblical marriage of one man and one woman. Can we give God praise for that? It's the only right way. So are we going to live by what the Bible says or by what society thinks is right? Because 1 Corinthians 6.10 again says that those who practice sex outside of a marriage covenant of one man and one woman will not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 says all sins, other sins are outside the body, but sexual sins cause a person to sin against their own body. It's devastating because our bodies belong to God and we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's over. folks in here, you need a miracle from God. You've got doctor's reports that are not good. You're living with ailments that are causing you pain consistently. You've got a problem with a child that's just out of control. You have been beat down. You have given up hope. But I want to remind you that God is a great, big God. We're going to pray. The Bible says in James that we're going to lay hands on the sick and those that need miracles and they're going to recover. Amen. So if you're comfortable, if you're not comfortable, you can just stand where you are. We won't. I know some people don't want to be prayed for right now, but there are others that are that don't mind and would like prayer. If you would like special prayer, I'd like for everybody to stand your feet. We're going to begin to worship. And as we do, I'm going to ask for the elders to come. I'm going to ask for the spiritually those filled with the Holy Spirit, those ready to lay hands on the sick, I want you to come down front. I want you to line up. And I want, I want you to get ready. We're going to, we're going to lay hands. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God for healing. We're going to believe God for miracles. There are people suffering. There are people that need encouragement. There are people that need hope. We're going to worship God. Please don't anybody leave. We're going to worship God. We're going to bless the name of the Lord. I want you to prepare your hearts because the Spirit of God is about to move. You say, man, Pastor, you preach a message like that and God's going to move? Yeah. When you preach His Word, He shows up. Amen? When you preach God's Word, the Holy Spirit always shows up. So you have a special need from God. I'd like for you to come down right now. I want you to come down to this altar. We're going to lay hands and we're going to pray. We've got some anointing oil. Everyone else, if you would, just begin to worship. Come on, just begin to bless the name of the Lord. They're going to begin to lead us a little bit here, and then we're going to just praise God.